Lawrence has moved to Japan, and I had become the first American to talk my way into a 34-generation-old tradition of protectors, the Togakure Ninja. And uh, when I was in Japan, I uh, met this beautiful girl, and <laughs> she was from the southern island of Kyushu. I remember that because in the James Bond novel, this beautiful Japanese girl came from a sea coast harvesting village in Kyushu Island, where it's kind of old-fashioned. And this girl I met was from uh, Tenmei Village on Kyushu Island, where they harvested the sea. And she had been in America as an exchange student <laughs> for a year, so we could we could begin to speak. And uh, uh, eventually, I convinced her to marry me. And then we came back, and a few years later, after some trips through Tibet and, uh, uh, and India, uh, I ended up in the late 1980s and through the 1990s escorting His Holiness the Dalai Lama as his security advisor, uh, personal security escort, uh, sometimes right here in Bloomington. All right, welcome to the Action Martial Arts Power Hour. This is a show that we, we talk about anything and everything martial arts related, not martial arts related. A lot of times, as we say, we don't know what we're doing, but it actually turns out pretty well. And this is Alan Goldberg's brainchild. I want to bring him on so he can tell you more about it. Alan, the floor is yours. Welcome back. This is our 26th show. We got a very special guest tonight with us, and we're pretty excited to have this man. And what's the nice thing about it, he's one of the icons in the martial art world, but it's someone I can call my friend also. And that's pretty important. I mean, to me, celebrity person, no matter where you come from, is just a celebrity until you get to know them personally. And the gentleman I will be bringing on is more than just a celebrity to me. He's actually a, a very dear friend. In fact, he's traveled with us a couple of places and just loves hanging out with us when we go out. So I uh, just want to, you know, say thank everyone for being here again. Lou's always doing a great job in what we do. And I just want to do my birthday list, which I do all the time. Okay. And I just want to say we have uh, birthdays for Peter Tubbs, Grandmaster Ian Sanchez, uh, Mitchell Castor, Les Konowski, Michael Sawyer, Vernon Jones, Anastasia from Russia, uh, my niece, Jamie Renee, and John Legrand. Okay. So we're in uh, pretty good shape there that. Uh, these people, as I always say, what we do this for is, is if you're on Facebook, you know, just about everyone we know has a Facebook page. And if you see these people up, give them a little hello. I mean, make everyone feel good. My biggest thing in my world, in the martial art world, because we all get a little older now, and, you know, we don't fight about stupid things and, you know, try to move on with life in a good way. So if you do these people, I think they would enjoy someone just saying, hey, how you doing? So, so your name uh, was brought up on uh, you know, the power hours, so thank And uh, let me just go into one little thing so we know. Uh, I have not heard anything back from Mr. Frank Dukes at this point. I know Don had put something up last week and um, hasn't, hasn't said anything, but Don has got over 400 comments in one day. It was amazing. And the video that was up is almost up to 180,000 people have watched that video within a month. So well, that's pretty amazing. I mean, it's, you know, I wouldn't say a record, but it's pretty good in the martial art world to get that many people watching something. So again, Frank Dukes, we're here waiting for you. If you ever decide you want to come on, we're not going to ambush you. We're going to just talk the truth, and that'll be it. Okay, so 
let me not wait too much longer. I have, again, my very dear friend and uh, common icon in the word ninja. Okay. Uh, when you hear the name, or you hear the, the, the name just ninja, uh, not too many people think of anything else but this gentleman named Grandmaster Stephen Davis. Okay, and Stephen is not only a great man in what he does, great knowledge, but he's just a real, real good guy. We hang out, we have some great time. So let me bring him on right now, my friend Stephen Hayes. Stephen, you're on the show. Hey, Alan. Hey, Lou. Hey, Steve. How are you, buddy? This how is you one been? of my favorite guys, Stephen Hayes. No question. <laughs> no. It's great to be with you. Thank you. you. Appreciate it. Well, you know what it is with Stephen too? He he brings an air of calmness upon he, you. Anytime we went, I mean, anytime you came into a room, Stephen, and I may have been rattled up, and you all of a sudden you walk in, everything's calm. And it's like Zen. It's, it's wild. You you have that impact. <laughs> it definitely definitely does, and that's that's very cool. That's very cool. Uh, some people say when I walk in a room, they know I'm there, usually because my mouth is always flapping. <laughs> but. Uh, I, I just, you know, I enjoy the company I have. And I tell you, Stephen, last year, you know, I have a certain way I dress, a certain way I do things. And last year, Stephen, well, before the pandemic, but we were in Ohio, and all of a sudden Stephen walks in, he goes, hey, Alan, he, thought he comes in with a hat and a pair of boots, the whole thing, and we look, and we go, all right, now we're twins, man. We got the great beards, we got no, no hair. Here we go. It, it was a lot of fun. So Stephen, Shirts match, too. Yeah, man. very sure. close. And uh, we didn't plan that. That was the no. mistake. <laughs> No. But, uh, you know, Stephen's been around a long time. We're not going to tell his age. You know, people don't do that in this industry. <laughs> but uh, Stephen's been around a long time and has a story that it's out of a James Bond novel. Um, you know, he's done things that most people, well, let's put it that way, do know, we do know a couple people that might even use Stephen as a background of their life. But uh, he has really done it. And uh, so just said, Steve, I got a few questions I want to speak to you. Um, you know, I listened to some of your podcasts and stuff like that. So I know most of your story. But you want to know something with guys like you and me, when you have a, a full life, stories don't end. I'll give you a better one. So the night I listened to a little podcast that my buddy Chuck Zito just did. It was recent. It was only about two months ago. And I sat and listened to it. And I went, wow. And I, you know, I'm close with Chuck. I know it's worked 20 years already. And I didn't know one-tenth of the amount of stories he was telling. So it's always good when you get someone on like this and talks and you hear things like this. So I just want to ask you, Stephen, I know it's boring for you. You must have told the story a hundred times. How the hell did you start to be a ninja? <laughs> <laughs> well, Where did it know, come from? It is uh, a really funny story. Um, when I was like 15 years old, uh, I was going to high school and a friend of mine, now this was like way before the internet or anything like, you know, we read books. That was it. Hard, you know, actual pages. And he gives me this, this book. He says, Hey, this is pretty cool. Read this novel. You know? So I look at it. It's James Bond. You only live twice. Oh, you know, it's, okay. I'll read it. And so out of my friendship with this guy, I start to read this book. Oh man, I'm just captivated. Uh, you know, here's this James Bond. He's uh, he protects the monarch, and uh, in this story, he goes to Japan and he's trained 
by the Togakure and the Iga Ninja. So he can infiltrate this bad guy's place. And uh, as part of his cover, they give him a Japanese girl. And she's from the coast of Kyushu Island. I still remember that. You know, a little ski village on Kyushu Island. And she's gorgeous. And uh, oh, God. Stake through the heart. Yeah, this 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 novel. <laughs> yeah, this novel captivated me. And, uh, you know, but then I forgot about it and went to finished high school and went to college. And uh, eventually um, I, I started to study Tang Sudo. And, oh, man, I loved it. I just ate it up. Uh, these were some Vietnam War guys who'd come back. Vietnam uh, was still going on and uh, uh, military people. And they taught it. I loved it. Uh, but in the background was always this idea of the, the ninja. And uh, oh, so I, I finally started a little karate school. Uh, I was woefully you know, unqualified, but I, I, you know, I, this is my whole life this is my whole identity. And, uh, I eventually made up my mind. I'm going to go to Japan and try to find this ninja. So meanwhile, I'd read article in black belt magazine about this guy in Japan. And, uh, um, anyway, the years went by. I, I one day realized, you know, I went to Japan. I was trained by the Togakure and the Iga Ninja. Um, I spent the 1990s traveling with the, the monarch, you know, the Dalai Lama of Tibet, head of Tibet, uh, as his uh, security escort when he was in North America. So I was protecting the monarch. And I, I found a girl from a sea village on Kyushu Island married her i'm living this novel i'd read <laughs> so some of my friends tease me they say oh you should have read think and grow rich <laughs> but uh yes that's that's really it and uh you know it's amazing or it was amazing to me when i finally got to japan you know i'd taken a little bit of japanese in college but mm -hmm. i could speak a little bit and uh but i got to japan how am i gonna find this guy i can't read I, they got thousands of kanji i can't read kanji you know i could be standing in front of the guy's place so the big sign i wouldn't even know it and uh um miracles happened i mean miracles happened that just took me right to this guy's place and uh uh this was back in 1975. And, uh, you know, they came to this inn. Just so happened the inn that somebody had taken me to was run by this little old lady who was a childhood friend of this teacher's mom. I mean, it's, oh, yeah, I can give him a call. Uh, uh, and uh, he came over that night and... Uh, he said, okay, well, tomorrow you can train with these guys and I don't have to like pass a test or interview or anything. Oh, no, no, you, you can train with these guys. And uh, yeah. so years later, after I was married and living back in the U.S., 
<clears throat> we had one of the my seniors over. He's a military guy by occupation, but was a practicing ninja. And my wife said, "Oh yeah, Stephen was really honored that uh, you guys would accept him, just like that, and open the dojo up and let him train." And uh, and he goes, "Oh, is is that what he thought happened?" And I go, wait, what, what, what? He goes, oh, no, uh, you were a big American. And, you know, the Japanese of my generation are kind of small. And uh, so we thought we'd like practice on you. Ninjas, the art of concealment and surprise, son. <laughs> on the experiment, yeah. We thought we'd practice on you, try this stuff out. After about a week, You'd think we were insane and you'd leave and we could go back to training, but you just never left. <laughs> All these years, you know, I've been wow. telling everybody how honored I was. You know, you know, a, a lot of your stories are a lot of like mine, except on the Chinese end yes, of the situation. Yes. Yeah, I've and enjoyed uh, sharing stories. With I, I, I was like in the underground Chinese type of situation. It was kind of the same because you were definitely, that was an underground was nobody was supposed to know about it. You were lucky enough to find where you wanted to go. Oh, yeah, yeah. In fact, there was no sign. He had, he was like a physical therapist. And so there really? was his therapy sign. Yeah, his therapy clinic sign. And he'd have to go through all these like stretchy tables and cable things where they'd pull you up and do all this therapy. And in the back of his house was the dojo. And eh? Nobody eh? knew about this. Nobody. Very in fact, cool. even... Even that lady that was the childhood friend of his mom, mm -hmm. she had no idea. She had no idea he was a ninja. And, uh, well, then I wrote a couple of books and blew the lid off of that thing. Uh, One, 21 know. books, right? Am I <laughs> yeah, 21 books. yeah. That's yeah. a lot of books. I got a hard time, I got a hard time writing a letter to somebody. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's an accomplishment in itself, definitely. Yeah. Oh, people ask me, they say, well, you know, you're going to write a 23rd or 24th book. And I said, I don't know. I've said about everything that I got to say right now. Uh, maybe I'll do videos or something like that. Uh, yeah, that's wild. Yeah. Uh, but in, in a little little segue, we talk about books. I had just came out with something. I throw this my little commercial, I would say. Uh, me and Don Werner came out with a new magazine, the Cowl Wing Chun. Wow. Wow. And uh, we really, really, it's getting great reviews. I got Isn't my Sifu on the cover, Jason Lau on the cover. And, and now he's uh, still active, right? Yeah. Oh, Steve, one day you got to go down to Georgia with us. Oh. He, had, he has a school. In the front of the school is a 40-car parking lot. Okay? And then there's another whole block behind it. But when he bought the land, it was all forest. Now they built all around him. And he literally has is one, two, like three buildings. It's got to be about 20,000 square feet tra training. And then he has two areas outside and another 40,000 in each each place. Tremendous, the school. I mean, literally, it would be the size of two supermarkets. That's how much room is at this location. And, and, and he doesn't let a lot of students in. You have maybe 50, 60 students, and that's it. Because he doesn't do it for the money, knock wood. I hear the quick story I tell you when we, we lived, we lived in, I lived with him in school for six years. 
when I lived there with him, we used to fight over his last pizza. <laughs> we used to cut it in half. Now, he, now he's a multimillionaire. God bless him. Oh, you know, he's wow. got, a, got a lot of money. But anyway, let's get back to Steve. Um, now, Steve, in your time, and when you came back to America, okay, you probably had a hard time in the sense that nobody knew what Jiu-Jitsu really was. You had to open the eyes to these people what that was. People might have heard of it or saw something of it, but it was so mystical, most people didn't even believe it was around. So you were up against a, a very curious situation. You had you had to prove what you knew, but you came from the good background. So tell us a little more about that once you came back to America. Well, you know, it was uh, 41 years ago, and now everybody cross-trains. Everybody cross trains, do a little BJJ and a little MMA, and uh, everybody cross. But 41 years ago, people did not cross train. Uh, and uh, so they would see me doing strike and, uh, and grappling and choke outs and uh, weapons. And uh, not everybody was real happy with me. You know, I was. Not everybody's really uh, happy with it. You were the, changed, you, you were the experiment. Even? Remember that. Was that? Has that changed? the experiment. <laughs> yeah, you know, they, they... Now, Black Belt Magazine was owned by Mito Uehara back then. Correct, right. And he's an Aikido guy. Yep. And uh, I can tell the story now, but Mito hated this ninja thing. He hated it. Yep. But I made him a fortune. These books that I published through his company just boom, uh, blew the lid off. And, uh, you know, he put me on the cover of the magazine. The magazine would sell like crazy. And uh, uh, he didn't like it, but it was, it was money. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, people would write in, oh, this guy's so phony. You know, he just he took a little karate and some judo and some Kali sticks and a little Zen and, uh, uh, yeah, those were like the senseis that I used to joke around. I'd say, well, you know, the students read these articles and they go to their sensei and say, how do we deal with this? And maybe they don't have the answers. And so they got to make me wrong. Uh, but the majority of people, the majority of people really loved this thing, you know? You know, like striking and grappling and... Uh, Stealth, <laughs> people would write, oh yeah, get all dressed in black. Sneak around my backyard. And, uh, yeah, sneak around the backyard. <laughs> okay. But you know, it was funny because I used to do seminars. I, I didn't have a dojo. I didn't want to have a dojo. I, I would do seminars. And I had a couple guys I trained with in, in Ohio, but we just got in the backyard and uh, I would say a good 50% of the people in the seminar were not martial artists. They were what I call uh, dangerous occupation individuals. <laughs> and uh, I mean, some people had like pretty uh, scary resumes. I mean, like way beyond me. Uh, I'm just a martial art teacher guy. I was never in the military or never was a spook or anything like that but some of these people were and uh, you know they'd come we had, we had an assassin 
for the state of Germany. <laughs> you know? mm -hmm. and, uh, he came over and, uh, but I, I used to tell my friends, I'd say, well, you know, these guys keep coming back. Mm -hmm. so that's validation. Oh, uh, I was teaching crap. They'd come and say, oh, this guy's full of stuff. Right. You know? No, they kept coming back and asking questions. And, you know, I'd done some tongue pseudo and a little tiny bit of Aikido. And uh, I, I didn't realize, I think, at the time how very different the movement of what I was teaching was from conventional martial arts. Um, and uh, like uh, the Okinawan where we would ground in, I'm going to, you know, I'm not criticizing Okinawan karate. The hard and soft, that was the difference at the time. There, there you go. Yeah, yeah. So boom, I, I get in my position, I slam my arm up, I pound back and I'm strong enough and fast enough and powerful enough that I can overpower this other guy. That's, that isn't what we would do. Uh, strike would be coming in, we'd fade with it and counter the center line. Uh, you don't have to stop the punch. And uh, I think these guys liked that because they knew, hey, I'm going to be run. Yeah, might have to fight a couple people. Um, yeah, we're using less and less energy to get more and more done. And, uh, you know, so that went on for for years. Uh, and uh, but you're right, it was hard. Because nobody saw me move. There weren't videos. There wasn't even VHS. VHS didn't come. Until... Yeah, yeah. And uh, so I think, you know, a lot of people, they, they had no idea, you know, what it was I was, uh, I was doing and what I was teaching. And uh, it was that approximately 1981. Okay. 1981, 82. By 82, the ninja boom had started we and, we we kind of had the same situation when i met my instructor like 1974 we were teaching wing chun and nobody knew what the hell that was mm -hmm. and again oh, we, were, we were in the, yeah we were in the midst of all the hard martial arts and we were teaching something that was made by a woman so we were also at the time just put aside nobody cared about what we did and now wing chun is you know, known worldwide so yeah yeah very very I, close parallel i think that was it yeah so when i went to japan in 75 um you know this teacher had like 15 students and including me and uh i didn't realize till years later they explained to me well his teacher had just died the 1800s guy who was like you know he was a part of the japanese like government free enterprise spying uh you know they had these leagues uh yellow river society and black dragon society and all of these that were over in china from japan you know and i mean when japan came out of the samurai era in the 1860s when we were having our civil war you know they looked around and they said hey we're the only asian nation that's not a uh has not been colonized imperialism imperialism is what the americans and dutch and germans and english do oh we'll, we'll do that too yeah <laughs> well no uh yeah we're gonna do that too and so man 
so he was a part of that imperialist uh, thing, and he was in China, and he had, you know, stories I could tell, run-ins with the uh, Japanese mafia and uh, uh, over certain people that he kind of rescued. And uh, so this was the teacher of my teacher. And my teacher grew up, he wasn't in the war, he was too young to be in the war. And so constantly questioning, I mean, legitimately questioning, am I, am I as good as, as the old guy, you know, who really tested himself out? Chinese hated him and man, they would have these martial brotherhood associations and Chinese are there and the Japanese are there and, you know, like put on little smiles and, uh, Oh, but vicious. I mean, vicious, the fights in there. And uh, uh, so your teacher's teacher was on the Chinese side. My teacher's teacher was on the Japanese side. And, uh, you know, uh, so but there were only 15 people, but his teacher had just died and he didn't really, I guess, trust himself. So he had people and he was going over this, over the stuff that his teacher had taught him. And that's when I showed up on the scene. Uh, just really lucky, I, I guess. Yeah. The experiment. There you are again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now I know you got you did all the books, which is wonderful. I mean, it's a great legacy. Uh, I I sometimes sometimes lose my conscience. He yells at me because I don't document yeah. myself. I just don't do it. It's not not. You know what I say? I rather document people like I do my magazine and things I do, and I don't document myself. And Lou's always yelling at me. Well, <laughs> oh, you ever noticed, Stephen, when, when he's at the event or whatever, he's not taking pictures. He's running around, and no one's paying any attention. Everybody wants his attention, but they're not giving him the attention that he needs. So I noticed this like a decade ago. I said, "You know what? I got to take pictures." And oh, that, that's that, great. That, that's what I do. You that's know? great. Because if yeah, I if I, I don't do that, he's not going to do it. Yeah, no, I think that's part of it. That's I don't think I don't think I own the camera now on the phone. Yeah, well, you gave it away. You gave, you gave it away, Alan. You I did. I actually did. <laughs> yeah, but you don't even sit at the head table. You sit uh, like way in the back. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think people notice that. I think yeah. people notice that. Well, I think but it's important. I think it's important for the fact that from the back or whatever I am sitting, I'm able to see everything. Yeah. He's sitting on stage, the lights are in your face. It's just, it's not the same thing. But, but also, you don't make it about you. You don't make it about no, you. You don't You're, make it about you. So you many people do. You. They make it about them. It's their spotlight, you know? So I, I think that's right, Lou. Yeah. You know, I think that's it. And uh, Alan, you don't make it about you. You make, you showcase everybody else. And, uh, and people notice this. They may not say anything about it, but I think they notice that. You know, yeah. Vince, do you find that to be true? Vince is not on. Vince is not on with us right now. He's a oh, innocent okay. bystander. Oh, okay. <laughs> but you know, it, it, uh, I know you've done some other things over the years. I know you try to get into the movie industry a little bit, and I know you did a couple of things with Richard Chamberlain. You did the Shogun with. Tell us a little bit about that, because that's interesting too. You know, from from being. The, the you, you, American ninja to be on the screen. So that's pretty well, impressive. You know, when I was in Japan, I was in my 20s. Mm -hmm. You know, so I had like thick, dark hair. And, uh, you know, I used to think of myself as good looking. And uh, I'd studied <laughs> acting in school. So, I, you, I, you know, and uh, but in America, you know, 
Jeez, the likelihood of becoming a movie star, uh, just, you know, infinitesimal, tiny little number of people from all mm -hmm. the ones who want. So I, in Japan, though, I was different looking. So I had an agent and uh, I was, really? yeah, I was in TV shows and uh, oh. uh, Japanese movies. And uh, so I heard like in 1978, I heard they were going to be filming uh, Shogun. So I called my agent and I said, hey, you know, Shogun is going to be done by Toho Studio uh, in conjunction with uh, Paramount. Uh, you know, can you get me a job? And he said, oh, he said, <laughs> he said, uh, <laughs> no, funny. He said, oh, he said, I didn't even talk to him because anything that's available with them is like below your pay scale. And I said, well, you know, the close, close to my heart, you know, um, uh, even though they don't pay me as much, I'll, I'll do it. You know, I would like to, I'd like to do this because this would be one that might show in America. He's oh, okay. So I went to a, a rehearse or audition and uh, read some lines. And so they cast me as uh, one of Richard Chamberlain's uh, ship people in the very beginning of the movie. So I had to climb up this rope ladder and a wave washed me over and I swam around and drowned. And uh, so oh, this is kind of fun, you know, and I was even on screen. Mm -hmm. uh, it's what we call a sneeze performance. If you yeah. sneeze, you miss me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I'm coming out of this door and the rain is hitting. And, and a few of those. <laughs> yeah, I got long black hair and a dark beard and, uh, um, but talking with the people, they said, well, you know, um, we need a stunt double for John Reese Davies, uh, who's playing the Portuguese navigator. Now, John is like this. He's master. a big guy. Yeah. He's a big guy, you know, yeah. a really big guy. And he has this very deep like That plays yeah. a midget. Shakespearean <laughs> voice. He speaks like this. And I'm supposed to, you know. You're doing him. well. You're doing well, Stephen. <laughs> so they got me a water ski life vest. And then, and they had like double costumes. They had one for John and one for me. So we'd get made up together, you know, and, uh, uh, you know, Richard Chamberlain was in there. And uh, so we got made up and I would put John's coat over this, life vest and I, I looked kind of big you know like him and and i would yell at the crow we were it was in a rainy <laughs> stormy sea and i would command the crew what to do and yell and scream nice. and i'm running down and a wave hits and i go overboard and uh so the richard chamberlain character jumps in the water in the sea and rescues me and you know this is a kind of a key turning point in the story because the Portuguese hated the British or well, he was, he was British, but he was supposed to be with a Dutch ship. They hated each other and he saved him. And now he's kind of obligated to help him out. And the story moves on from there. But, but I would fall in the water and because I'm in this uh, life vest, boom, I'd pop up, you know, water. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I'd pop up. And funny. Chamberlain would jump in and his clothes 
would immediately become water soaked and he's going down <laughs> i'm popping i reach down and grab him pull him back up oh, uh, who's uh, saving uh, who yeah yeah cut. <laughs> oh god we did that for like five times and finally i would like tread water in the reverse i would pull the water into my boots and it would kind of pull me down you know and uh we discovered if richard chamberlain like there was a certain vest he had on and uh, so if you took that vest off then he could stay up oh gosh and i mean that was a whole night of just those few seconds um i know anyway i worked for them for a month and a half a month and a half and uh uh so many fun stories you know it was uh it was a now i don't know anybody even remember shogun you know us old white beard guys remember shogun <laughs> but, uh, you know uh i have to say it's like one of the classics though from the time because there was a, even even the uh, the tom cruise movie he did uh, uh oh, yeah, samurai, samurai. Mm -hmm. yeah that, that became a classic and yes. i i think it became both of them in a sense because they had a different story to tell. Mm -hmm. It wasn't the typical, you know, American-made type of story. I myself, I mean, I, I see something like that, I go, wow, this is cool. I want to sit and watch it. So, you know, you kind of th you think that people will remember it that think the same way, you know, have the same mindset. Well, you have movies you know, like, that are made that are timeless, that they, yeah, 100 years later, they don't get old because of what they represent. You know, it's funny. People, I hear, you know, I live in Ohio. I, mm -hmm. I, I don't go to California much anymore. I used to a lot in the 80s and 90s, but, you know, so I only hear, like, secondhand stuff. But I'm, I've, I hear people say in the movie business, oh, and, you know, American audiences don't identify with Asian uh, heroes. You've <laughs> got to have a, a, you know, a white guy uh, hero. And, uh, um, yeah, but look at, Shogun did have a white guy here, but it was all about the Asians and uh, Last Samurai. It was all about all the Asians, and uh, the hero was barely a hero. You know, he was yeah. a drunk guy, and uh, what was that? Leaping Dragon, Crouching Tiger. You know, uh, all Chinese. Um, and Don, look at Don, look at Donnie Yen now. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I don't. I don't buy this. No, I don't buy that anymore. I don't buy either. Asian it, thing at all. And know. you know, like again, that is that mystique that people like to see. You know, I, I don't know if you saw that uh, TV series that uh, Anne Lee did, her father's script, a warrior. Mm. Oh, I, I, I was, didn't see that. Yeah, I was privy enough. I was invited in to see the first two, two, two uh, uh, shows, and I met Shannon there at the time. It was really, really well done. But it was all about. The Asian, the Oriental people in America, but it was based around the Oriental. And if, I have to be honest with you, I don't know why nothing more became of it, but it was great. It was literally something that you could watch. It was almost like watching Kung Fu on TV when you were a kid, you know? Oh, yeah. Same no type kidding. of thing. So, uh, you know, who knows? I mean, there's a reason why it didn't go anywhere, but whatever I did see of them, it was a good, it was a good storyline, too, besides being a good. All no. right, so now. You you did you did the movie Gibbet, you came back to America, you decided to marry, have a family, the whole nine yards. Tell us where that brought you to this day. What uh, getting married and coming back? Yeah, 
Well, I kid around. I tease my daughters. You know, they're in their 30s now. Uh, but, you know, I said, well, you know, I was kind of a weird kid when I was in high school. And, yeah, you know, uh, I never figured I'd get married. I had to go to the old country way out to find somebody who would put up uh, uh, with, with my lifestyle. And, uh, you know, I was just so lucky, you know, to get Rumiko. And uh, her parents were sea harvesters. So, you know, this nori that is around the sushi, uh, they make that, that, that's what they make. They harvest this and they go out in boats. And uh, uh, so, you know, they were kind of a self-made family. Um, <laughs> when we were dating, I, you know, I asked, this is back in the seventies. Uh, you know, I asked her, Hey, was your, was your dad in the war? And she, she says with a straight face, she says, Oh yeah. He was trained as a kamikaze pilot. Oh God. <laughs> yeah. Well, you come, come on, you're having dinner and he comes running up bonsai. You got a problem. <laughs> and it's not the karate kid. <laughs> oh man. I, but then I got to figure out, oh, you know, she was born in 1955, you know, so he must not have been very good. You know? <laughs> <laughs> He's still, he still himself at least, right? Yeah. No, but he was they were all kids. They were all like teenagers mm -hmm. and they just grabbed them from Kyushu Island and put them in what they called Navy flight school. Mm -hmm. They didn't spend a lot of time on how to land. AKA suicide camp. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. And if the war had gone on for like another two months, I would not have had Rumiko as my uh, wife. Um, uh, no. and, uh, you know, what was really weird. I remember we would have these parties, uh, I mean, and these guys are all agricultural workers. I mean, they are built like, uh, I mean, just not an ounce of fat on them. They're just yeah, all very muscle. Strong. Yeah. Very strong, very strong. And uh, hard drinking. And uh, and boy, the next morning, 6 a.m., they're all up, ready to go home. I'm dragging around. And uh, uh, <laughs> so we're all in there. And all the men are in like this one big room. They take the walls down and make a big room. And the women are out in the kitchen. And uh, um, it's not a discrimination thing. The, you know, the men are telling crazy stories and the mm -hmm. women would rather be talking to the women. And uh, so he starts talking about MacArthur. Oh. You know, I'm the only one who looks like me in the room, you know. <laughs> oh, gosh. So I, I listen and MacArthur is like a hero to these guys. Really? Yeah. I'm blown away. I'm absolutely blown away. Yeah, because MacArthur came in and showed the Japanese what their government was doing to him. Mm -hmm. You know, he was ready to die for the country. And he realized, no, the country did not have our best interest in mind. MacArthur mm. showed him that. MacArthur gave him democracy. MacArthur made the land owning, like there were uh, seven families, you know, like seven families owned all the land in Japan. And they made these people sell to the people who worked the land, uh, education, uh, mm. MacArthur was like a hero to, to these people. Wow, I never knew that. No, I didn't either. I didn't either. And uh, yeah, he uh, really opened their eyes. And uh, we in Dayton, Ohio, where I live, there's the uh, Air Force Museum where they have all these airplanes from, 
you know, the Wright brothers to the space thing. And so when he was visiting, we took him out to this, you know, he's looking at these World War II airplanes and he says, oh, no wonder we lost. <laughs> yeah, the Japanese really? government had been lying to these people. All the, oh, no, we're winning. We, we've got these people. Well, looked, the, the Japanese Navy was, uh, you know, a hell of a Navy, though. Oh, yeah. they, 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 we won by accident on the Navy point. I saw, I saw, show, um, Oratora, it was. And when I watch a show, we, by mistake, we won because we went left for an hour and they went right for an hour and they missed each other. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. who the hell knows where the war would have turned out? We might have all been speaking Japanese for all we know. <laughs> well, you'd Every, everybody would be a ninja. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, that's great stories. You know, like a mm. story like that, you don't hear often. Yeah. And even though it's not a martial arts story, it's a background from where your martial arts came. And that's very rich. That's very rich. I, you and know, I think that's I important for sure, Alan, yeah, because the yeah. culture and how things evolve and develop, it's not just about the fighting, it's about the everything, the whole yeah. story. And you have that, and that's great. I love it. Yeah. Now, Steve, we're both <laughs> lose a little younger than both of us. A little bit. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> but uh, me, me and Steve, are, we're up there. Um, Steve's a little older than me, but we're both up there. Um, where do you see? I mean, I'm looking at you now. You're sitting in your, your dojo. That's yeah, impressive. This is my this is my house dojo. Right. Uh, I, I also have a city dojo in the city, but right. Uh, yeah, but it's my, impressive enough that you have is. something at your age. You're not giving up. Oh. And I don't think you could ever give it up. Yeah. I, you know, I I just reopened my school yesterday. Did you? In a year. Yeah. In a year, I had the school closed down. Uh, opened up yesterday and, and walking in it was just such a good feeling to be back well it's home yeah you know and i just went wow so when i look at guys like us at our age i've still where our origins if you want to say started that's so important not a lot of people have that anymore you know they got to pay someone some rent i mean you're standing there you can't even you're in a shoebox for the money they want to charge yeah but where where do you see and feel your life is going at this point. Uh, you I know, know you're doing really something with Sentry. I know you're doing something with Sentry with the uniform that I saw. Isn't that funny? Yeah. Forty-one yeah. years later. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm with it. You know. Forty-one <laughs> years later. <laughs> yeah, no, but that's success after forty-one years. <laughs> these little Halloween ninja suits, you know, and kids still wear them. You know, still kill. And uh, everybody's a ninja now. Have you noticed that? You know, okay, ninja. No other martial arts that they make them become a ninja because it's easier. Sure, everybody's a ninja, and uh, so yeah, I designed this authentic ninja suit, and uh, <laughs> I got my first royalty check. I haven't even promoted it. I haven't really did it, and I get this royalty check from Century. <laughs> it's selling. I, I, wow. I buying these uh all right our audience listen to me go to century and look for stephen hayes ninja suit stephen hayes ninja you, you suit. gotta look man yeah that's what you put yeah you gotta look at stephen hayes ninja suit it's like 69 bucks but i mean it's beautifully done uh really? I'm, I'm really proud of it uh yeah so i mean there are things like that but 
one of the things I've noticed with the COVID lockdown is uh, I can teach some things, physical things. I get a training partner and, and we can do that on Zoom. And, you know, uh, I used to do seminars. So a person's got to buy an airplane ticket. They got to get a hotel room for a couple nights. They got to pay for food. So it's a thousand dollar weekend, mm -hmm. you know, just to come here. And that's not even including the seminar fee. And now with Zoom, we can just go right there. And, we, we, we don't, we we don't mention use the word. That we, word we, on we, we use Vero. Oh, <laughs> well, with Vero. Vero. We can go right, <laughs> we can go right into there. <laughs> Right into their home. And, uh, but what I've been doing through this COVID is, uh, a lot of people don't know this, but I'm also like, I'm very passionate about my martial arts, but ever since I was a little kid, I've also been interested in, uh, you know, like spiritual topics mm -hmm. and, uh, Asian spiritual things. And mm -hmm. so I've had a kind of a parallel career. I don't talk about it a lot with some of these, uh, I mean, that's how I got involved with the Dalai Lama. And uh, mm -hmm. um, so I've been putting into uh, like accessible, accessible for American English language. Some of these things I've studied about personal development, uh, mm -hmm. how you live your life, how you speak, uh, how you think even. And uh, so we have some exercises and those things have taken off. Boom, big time. And so, you know, the people form like Facebook discussion groups. And now these are all my martial arts students, but. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's so, where it begins know, like, and that's where it grows, you know. And, and this is, an, are these books that you wrote or? No, no. Um, I have a couple of books that are spiritual, um, but uh, this is just delivering exercises, you know, and the people go through the exercises, mm -hmm. they meditate. Uh, we, we can put them in rooms where they can have like one-on-one. -on -one, uh, here's what I experience. Here's what I experience. And uh, so we got 22 it, books and I think that is a 23 and a 24 and a 25th coming up. I see it already. Make it happen. Yeah. Steven. Make it happen. I, you know, I think so. I really think so. People so, need it. People need it because they forget you can have all the physical things in order, but if you're not taking care of your inside, your outside can only go so far. Yeah, it, it's funny, the, a lot of relationships, again, we say we're so like in different ends of the world, different in the sense. Mm -hmm. When we were in our school, we had a thing called Kuang Gung, Kuang Ti, or Sun Da. And, and you walk into my school, the first thing you see is a Chinese temple. And we light incense for the temple, the whole nine yards. So there's a very big spiritual thing. In it. And that is also a lot of what's missing within modern day martial arts, that, that deep rooted feeling of something else. You know, I think you're right, Alan. I think you're right. You know, I think a lot of people, I mean, you've got people over here that just want to bust up, you know, faces yeah. and, uh, you know, uh, hey, there's a, there's a place for that. Uh, those kind of people aren't interested in what I've got, you know. Um, they got holes in their heart, and yeah. somebody did something really bad to them when they were kids, and mm -hmm. they're still fighting back. I, you need a therapist. I can't do. I, but the people that are attracted to what I'm doing, and you know what you're doing through Wing Chun, and uh, 
they're looking for that balance, you know. Okay, half half the problems you encounter are going to be coming from the inside out. Mm -hmm. How do I interpret, you know, this guy said that to me and uh, people go, oh, he was kidding around. He was just kidding around, you know. But how oh. your how your reaction is, it, it tells the whole story because every action has a, a reaction, right? So if you're reactionary, how, what's that reaction going to be? Well, you know, I think that's really it, isn't it, yeah. Lou? You know, yeah. I mean, and the other thing that I've noticed over 41 years, uh, um, you know, I've gotten my share of criticism from people, and uh, but I, I never, I never fight back. Um, and I read a little line the other day, you know, on the internet, and it says, "Have you ever noticed the people, the people at the top, never criticize the people who are trying to come up?" It's always mm -hmm. the other way around. The people yeah. down here are always criticizing the ones up. And unless down. you unless you name Frank Duke, that's another story. <laughs> that's for another day. Yeah. Well, well actually, you think about it, that's that's coming down here and looking up anyway. That, that, that's another day. Yep. Yeah. No, I mean, isn't that the truth? It is. Uh, you know, if you're here, you're constantly looking up. How can I be better? How can I be stronger? How can I? You know, be more effective. How can I be happier? Mm -hmm. How can I be more of a winner? How can I help more people? So we have a little motto in our school: We are help. We help people, help people improve the world. So we help people, help people improve the world. Mm -hmm. So I don't like reach in my pocket and give them all my money. No, uh, see, no, that, I, that, that, that's a good point you're making, Stephen. Because it's not it's not about giving a handout; it's about giving a hand up. So if you're helping someone, giving them the tools to be a better person, be better with themselves, that's going to just resonate with the people around them. It uh, is by default, I would think, you know. That, that, that's almost like a little model of our show. If you heard what I said about the birthday wishes before, yeah. you know, reach out, stay, because that's important. And sure. what I always say is we, as a community of the quote-unquote good people, we, we as the community should be helping each other someone has an event coming up, I want to be there to help that event. And a lot of people get jealous of what I do, okay? But I always offer to help anybody. I never turn anyone down. And I, I get mad with these guys for some of them what they do. And, you know, what, we're all here to help each other. really are. Yeah. I don't know anyone that would turn each other down within our – and you know what I'm talking about, within our group, Stephen. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. I run my event. It, it's been so successful for years already. And we get thousands of people coming through the front door. Everyone there is in the same mindset. Nobody's there looking to hurt each other. Mm -hmm. So that's a beautiful thing. No, that's really true, isn't it? I, I, I marvel on that. Every time I sit at that table and look at that whole, I mean, thousand, two thousand people, you know, and I always comment, you know, people who don't understand martial arts would think, whoa, this would be the most dangerous place to be in the world. All these egos and fighters. And say, no, no, it's the safest place to be. Yeah. Everybody looking out for each other. And, you know, the other thing that I'm so impressed is, uh, you know, you know these people and, you know, you give them an award and maybe this guy has run a little training hall in a church basement and he's, you know, he's poured his whole life out to a few students and you know, people don't know him, uh, but his students love him and he gets to shine for mm -hmm. a few minutes. He gets that trophy. Uh, 
and it's, it's that feel good like, moment. It's that feel good moment. Yeah, yeah. Everybody and, clapping. And you know, you know, so the people that don't know that haven't been to my event is watching the show. I've got criticized many times. Oh, you're doing it and you're making all this money. Whatever. They'd be paying me 25 cents an hour if you realize what I wanted to make it after the event. Yeah. You know, I don't do anything cheap. Everything I do is top of the line. And well, yeah, people well, do ba- what I call baby arithmetic. Yeah. yeah. They count the heads and multiply yeah. at times. And no, no, no. Oh, we got a few expenses. In yeah, a few. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> especially, especially in the largest casino on the East Coast. On top yeah. Of it. <laughs> yeah. But I, yeah. I, what I try to do is I don't give awards away like like this. I don't give out 25 Grand Master of the Year awards away. I don't do that. And if you watch what 90% of what I give away or 95% is a spirit award. Mm-hmm. Just saying thank you for being in the martial yeah. art world. You know? And, you know, if you're coming in to be part of it, it's like being part of the community, really. It's all it is, you know? So I, I'll take the criticism all day long. As long as I know that I can do a good job in what I do. Yeah. And the critics are not above you. They haven't outdone you. Uh Well, you know who the critics are? The guys on my blacklist. The guys that don't get invited. Yeah. Oh, because they want to be a part of the party, but they ruin it because when when you have that, 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 bile that comes out of you you know and it seeps through your skin because you have some jealousy towards someone i think that's the worst thing because what are you doing you know you're you're beating your your all this ugliness is coming out people are seeing it who wants to be around that alan your event that i mean when you go to your event everything everyone's on the same level yes you know people can can come up to steven you know the first american ninja they can come talk to him and He's like the next guy. And and they speak about this. They go home. They speak to their families. They sit down to dinner and they talk about this stuff. And it's so important because you yeah. feel like you're a part of something, not I, I built a bystander. A, you know, I built such a good reputation with people because I try to treat everyone well. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I have people that I can't sometimes believe I get embarrassing. They'll tell me things like, oh, Alan, we love you. This, that, and, and I'm okay, you know, whatever. But so many things have come out of my event. This is the segue to this next part. Um, there was a gentleman, and it, his name was Grandmaster Ronald Duncan, and you were at my event. And I'll never forget this. This is one of my favorite stories. You and I were talking. We were standing near my front, and you say to me, Alan, is Ronald Duncan showing up? I says, I heard he was coming. I says, yeah. And I'm going, oh, okay. Is it going to be a problem now? I'm saying to myself. Come over and you say, I really like if you would introduce us. And I looked, I go, what? What? And in Jewish, we call it mensch, a man. <laughs> what a mensch. Look at this guy. I says, you know, and I walked into the hallway. And I, I look down the escalator and I see Ronald Duncan coming up with his little entourage. And I got him, he pulls a grim to put God rest his soul. Pulls me to the side and he goes to me, uh, Alan, I have to ask you a question. What's the matter, sir? He goes, uh, it's Stephen Hayes here, I heard. And here we go now. I'm thinking he's going to say something that you're there. And he goes, really, really would appreciate it if you brought me over so we can do ourselves. <laughs> and that was so beautiful. I walk in the door, and he has a little entourage. And just said you were one or two people that you were with over here. And I put you two together. And I went, I did my job. And you two talked. And you, you stood there for about a half hour just talking. And it was so beautiful because that's the story. Mm-hmm. 
that you know that doesn't happen often. But this is what your event does, Alan. This is what it brings together good people to just want to connect. Of course, you know that you got a couple of holes roaming around, but you can't you can't please everyone. And I'll even tell Stephen a story that you may not know. I've had three celebrities over the years that I put out of my event that I would not let back in. I told them please leave because they did not want to play the right game with the people. They wanted to play their own game. And my event was supposed to be there for friendship. Yeah. You know? They want and, to be and look at you come though. You, you met Steve, uh, Sheldon Lennox at my event. You oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's sure, great. Yeah. It's, that's what it's all about. That you meet people and you become, you build new friendships. Let's put it that way. You know? Mm-hmm. But uh, we, we try to, try to always keep a positive image. We'll see. We're close to the end. Uh, we got another few minutes. What I like to give you is a few minutes to make your proclamation, <laughs> your, <laughs> your, your, your future or where you want to go and what you want to do. You were just talking about the other, you know, your writings and stuff like that. Where, finish up with what you feel is important and what you want to do in the rest of your life in the martial art world. Yeah, you know, I think uh, I'm uh, 72 now and uh, a few more years in the game and uh so i'm really concentrating i've got a bunch of guys that are in their late 30s 40s and you know i have some in their 50s and 60s but the 30s and 40s you know would kind of inherit what i'm doing so if it deserves to live on i mean it could just my martial art could just die with me but if it deserves to live on people are going to see the value they're going to they're going to treat it as their own entity. I got a couple of guys like that. And I'm really focusing on uh, this very subtle movement. And it is not MMA. Uh, It's very different looking. Uh, And uh, so I think I'll enjoy you know, my house dojo, people come here to Ohio and, uh, you know, we got our, our kids moved out. I mean, when we built the house, we had children and Rumiko's sister, Mariko, lived with us to help raise the kids. And now it's just Rumi and me in this giant house. And so people come and, you know, they can stay here and we, we train. And so I, I'm enjoying that, looking forward to handing on everything that I have. Um, and then also this this spiritual value as well. Um, it's an accessible system. It makes sense. It's not religion. Um, it's what I call mind science. It comes from Asia. Uh, ways to just get your life in shape. Um, I right now I've got to say I'm so lucky. I live in my dream house. I'm married to my dream girl. Uh, I have my dream friends. I don't spend any time with a person I don't like. No, I'm only surrounded by people I like. I love that. And uh, I drive my dream cars, uh, funny. Uh, I just recently <laughs> took up cowboy, single action shooting, <laughs> gunfighting. Yeah, when I was four, I wanted to be a cowboy, you know? <laughs> so I have a bunch of guys I we shoot in these competitions and uh, <clears throat> It's funny, and uh, uh, so I, I'm so I'm just having a a ball, and with this COVID slowly being over, eventually we will be able to travel again, Rumi and I. So, you know, I think just enjoying, you know, being alive and enjoying all these things that bring me 
happiness, if I can share that sense of it's possible when you're 20 and you don't have any money, you know, and everybody makes fun of your dreams and uh, no, no, hang on to that. Hang on to that. Uh, that's my, that's my goal. That's my goal here. Hey, hopefully next year, this year we definitely have the Hall of Fame. We can definitely have uh, Ohio again. I'm almost sure we're going to have that again. Mm-hmm. So I always look forward to that. We have, always have a great time when we get together. Sure. We run around eating and drinking and hanging, you know, get a good time. <laughs> but it's, it's a lot of fun. And yeah. uh, I guess that's how you build your life. You know, we have friends from different areas in our life. Some of them just people we grew up with and some from martial art world. And I've been lucky enough to meet great people over the years. I met a lot of knuckleheads also. But I met, <laughs> you know, there's plenty of them out there. But I've, I've met a lot of great people and people that to this day I call my friends, you know. Yeah. So not, not an easy thing to call friends. Stephen, a uh, couple of things before you say anything. You know, Vinny wanted to let you know that he thinks you're a class act. He thinks you're a class act. He just he said he sent me a message. He wanted to let you know this. He wanted to be able to to talk, but of course, Vinny creates problems all the time. I don't know why. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. And I just want to add one other thing before Alan continues. I, I miss seeing you, Stephen, because you are one of those people that bring a bright light into a room just by being there. It's, I mean, it's a, it's just a, it's it's a weird thing that you have the ability to do this. And you do it to me each and every time. You did it in, in Ohio, in Atlantic City, wherever. You just bring this this aura with you that uh, keeps everything balanced, which is uh, pretty good. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Thank you. David, always an honor. And we'll catch up soon, buddy. You know? All right. Hey, this was a ball. I had a blast. I got to tell some stories that maybe nobody's heard before. And, uh, yeah, and that's fun. Well, as I always say, we have no idea what we're doing, but it all turns out good. It, it, it always does. It always does. So, Alan, do you, want to, do you want to close out? Yeah, I'll close out. And I uh, just want to say I want to thank our sponsors, uh, your Hive, especially with Lou. We're going to a lot of places. and We'll keep your eyes open to see what's going on. Uh, I want to thank uh, Def USA. Their uh, telephone apps are really great. Uh, Great company doing some of the things. We're going to bring a little more on one night and show you all about it. It's really a uh, Shalom brand, which is one of my old other companies. Boya. And I uh, just want to thank our industry of martial arts for giving us this time to sit in and listen to what we get to say. Not everyone's interested. We don't need everybody. We just need the people that have that heart to want to listen to wonderful stories from our guests and other Thanks a lot, folks. Until next week, God bless. Stay safe. Get your shot.